and welcome to another episode of Trash or Treasure, the podcast where Kim and Amy bring you spoiler-free recaps, reviews, and recommendations for whatever we read this week. This week, Amy, what did we read? We read Dial A for Aunties by Jessie Sutanto, I think is how you say her name, S-U-T. Once again. You don't like it when I spell things I don't, out. because it's written on the episode title. Oh, that's oh. the only reason why, because the person could read it. It's not Sorry. like we are an auditory-only medium. Sorry, I did forget that. Sorry, everyone. So we read that book, okay. which was, it was a, a recommendation. It was a recommendation by Donna. Hi, Donna. Thank you so much for your email and for your recommendation. And for mentioning The Trouble with Harry, oh. a 1950s Hitchcock film that I am a massive fan of. <laughs> <laughs> the Trouble with Harry, everyone, is that he's dead. <gasps> Spoilers. And no one seems to really care. So I had actually heard of this book. It must have come up on either the Brisbane City Council library I think I've heard of it because Emily Henry, who did Beach Read and Book Lovers, Uh we borrowed from the library and she's done the quotes, the like Uh. laugh out loud, you know, the little read this book yep, quotes okay. on the front of it. So that's how I think the you've heard of it. it I've, definitely, come up I've definitely seen it before in, and I recognised the cover when I went and found it. So, yeah, so thank you very much, Donna, for sending us an email. First time recommender. That's Woo, cool. okay. Shall I do the spoiler-free? You free? do the spoiler-free recap okay. because this is sort of a mystery. It's kind of like a Which means I'll make a, a mess of it. I think it's a romp. Like, you go on kind of a crazy ride, but it is one of those ones that I agree with you. I think it's better the less you know. Yes. So give us a short, sharp, less you know is more you know? Yeah, pretty much no more than blurb. I would say, not that I ever read the blurbs, but basically Dial A for Aunties follows, insert person's name Medellin Chan. Thanks. And Medi, they call her. And she and her aunties run a weddings business, essentially. One of them does the Don't cakes. Don't leave it to chance, leave it to the chans. <laughs> so they, in San Francisco, so Medi does the photographs and her mum does... Flowers. Flowers. Her big auntie does the cakes. cakes and her second aunt, second aunt does hair and makeup. And fourth aunt does the entertainment. Entertainment. So they have a really big, they're like a pretty successful business at the moment mm-hmm. and have a really big wedding coming up at this really fancy resort. And they kind of just meddle in each other's lives all the time and are kind of worried about this family curse where all the men always leave. So they are kind of a group of women kind of very much deciding that this is their family and family matters really deeply to them. So. Medi's mum has gone on to some kind of dating website, pretended to be her, and has set up a date with who she is convinced or thinks is the owner of the hotel that they're the, the really expensive resort that this wedding is going to be at. And so Medi has to go on the date because otherwise, in the off chance that her mother has actually set her up with the real person off the internet, like so that she hasn't been catfished, that this is this guy is who she says, she kind of has to get keep him on their good books, right? Or keep in his good books, sorry. Goes on the day. He's lecherous and awful and drives her kind of into the middle of nowhere and it's not looking good, like it's looking very rapey. And so she tases him. But he's driving the car when she tases him and he crashes the car and in the car crash he dies. 
So basically, instead of... She has a massive freakout. She has a huge freakout. Her phone is flat is the other problem, so she can't just make a decision to not leave the scene of a crime or whatever. So she sort of autopilots and goes home. She goes home. And she goes and tells her mum, and her mum rings all of her sisters, and all the aunties come, and they decide that Medi can't go to the police for whatever reason, and instead they're going to just hide the body and they'll deal with it tomorrow morning. I think that's where you have to sort of That's it. Anything else is hiding. Tomorrow morning is the wedding. Tomorrow morning is the wedding. The only other thing that's worth mentioning is there's kind of a love subplot, but it's totally a subplot because we've had this big flashback in that same kind of set of chapters where Medi had a really serious, awesome, beautiful, wonderful boyfriend while she was at university, but he had a great job opportunity if he went to New York and she knew she couldn't leave her family, so she broke up with him. And that's it. End of spoiler-free recap. That was really good. Thanks, man. Great. So, Amy, I did spoiler-free. You get to go first. As my is, thoughts. As is the rules of the podcast. What did you think about Dial A for aunties? Okay, I would summarize it as fun but exhausting. Okay. <laughs> it was – I had a big cognitive load in reading this book because – the first was you had to – I had to suspend my disbelief on a major scale. And that's fine. Like whenever you go and watch a James Bond film, you're like, and belief goes in this yeah, corner. I'm going to shut the door on that. This required just suspend your disbelief. You just had to be the perfect audience member. Yeah. Whatever because, you tell be, me is whatever I'll do. Because shenanigans ensue. And the yes. shenanigans were absolutely ridiculous. But it was very noisy, which feels a weird way to describe a book. But because there's four – maternal voices with yes. the aunts and mum and everyone and also, sort of talks then... at the same time and it's a Chinese Indonesian family in America and Medi talks about how like her, her mum's and the auntie's English isn't necessarily great so sometimes they talk in Mandarin and sometimes they talk in Indonesian and sometimes when they talk in English it's not it's a bit broken English. Yes, and Medi doesn't understand. So she doesn't fully understand Indonesian and Mandarin, and they don't fully understand, understand English. English. So, so they... it's this kind of mix of the two. But the other dynamic that makes it noisy is that they're not just maternal voices, but they're also sisters. So they're bickering as yes, sisters. So there's that whole long kind of history that's embedded there as so well. So I sort of my, – my reading energy when I was going through this was I had to have a lot of breaks because yeah. – it was like keeping on track of what was going on and I tried the audio book as well because I thought oh maybe that might help me not the audio be quite book, as, cause a lot as of much it, noise there's quite a lot of the dialogue is written in Indonesian or in Mandarin and not translated too yeah it's you have to rely on what the person says after that to know sort to of what they out. said so I, that was a bit easier in the audio book I felt sort of how I think my husband feels after spending Christmas with my family where everyone talks at the same time. And usually I have a very loud American family and in family language. Yes, in a code that is colloquial. And then by about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, he has to have a nap on the sofa and the dog passes out for about three days. So it took a lot of energy to read this book. I would describe it as a cross between Crazy Rich Asians and The Hangover. Yeah, I see that. Had those sort of vibes where everything that can go wrong, like you write down, think of a wedding, big grand wedding, write down every single thing that could possibly go wrong, and then that happens. So you list all the wedding catastrophe cliches, they happen in this book, but then add a million characters 
So I found it a little bit fatiguing keeping track of all the characters. Like I thought really only big aunt and fourth aunt had a narrative purpose. Yeah, I So agree. I didn't think that second aunt who just sort of when she's stressed she does tai chi and that didn't really add much to the narrative other than sort of little like ha ah, that's a bit ridiculous moment for that to happen and i was there a third aunt i was convinced until about halfway through the book that there was a third aunt no, who just not. didn't there's say four. too much there's four i know because mum her ma yeah is so the it's third. big aunt yeah that's right mum is yeah. but it took me halfway through the book to realize that oh, i thought i was convinced that third aunt had been there at the opening didn't uh, and then right. <laughs> so i just think that they could have dispensed with second aunt. At least second aunt, yeah. And it would have been a little bit easier to follow, I think, because big aunt and fourth aunt had more of a character. Maddie was okay. I found her internal monologue, like the crash scene, I listened to that on the audiobook and I found that a bit repetitive. Yes. It might have been, you know, realistic, but I get the idea. He's, He's dead, you've killed a guy and you don't know what to do. Yeah. Great, I've got it, move on. But I did want her to be less obedient. I don't know whether that's part of a sort of cultural representation landscape that I can't really comment on because I'm not She makes comment on that. it, though. Like, her, within her internal monologue, she makes comment on the importance of Being, not letting her family down. Yes, and her mum's like, you're such a good girl, you're so obedient. Says yes, that a lot, yes, but. and... I think that's I think that's a value that's important because it's how she's showing respect to the people who have raised her and taken care of her. And it's also the added element of the family curse where she doesn't want to yeah, leave that's them true. and abandon and make them feel like she's no better than the men in their family. So there's this kind of idea that women stay, but in order to stay, she has to do what they say because they're not going to let her have a say because of, you know, like generational hierarchies. So, yeah, I think that is explained. For me, that was adequately explained. Okay. Like at the beginning when she was just sort of doing every, like going on the date and doing everything, I was like, ah, rebel a little. Yeah. But that's me. Yes. Not necessarily reading that the way I meant to read it. I also think sometimes rebellion is a luxury (laughs) that we take for granted. Yes, that's true. But when your family have worked so hard to get you from China to Indonesia to San Fran to to live the life that they wanted to be able to let you live, you owe them something. That's you can I understand a sense of familial I guess loyalty there. Like I can't comment fully on those representations like I wasn't sure whether things were caricature or genuine yeah because I don't you know other than having seen crazy rich Asians I don't really know enough about what was being I assume satirized I did think as I was reading it that it would work much better as a movie Oh, it felt like a series. film. It, it felt or a TV series, like a mini series on Netflix yeah. for sure. But it definitely felt like it was written to be adapted for film. Yep. And I think that would have helped me keep track of everybody, everyone, and minimize the noise. I yeah. think, and so much of it, like you're saying, was like visual, and I was picturing like inserting the characters into the hangover into my head and inserting it into these visual films that I'd already seen. Because then they could have done the Nathan flashbacks quicker. I found that they dragged a bit. Like I got the idea of Nathan and there were a bit too many of them to communicate really the key information. Yes. I didn't think we needed more than the first one. Yeah, I wasn't wasn't very interested in the flashbacks and I sort of skim read them whenever they happened because I was like, yeah, 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 I get it. He was like the love of your life. Get it. 
And I also found that because there was so much shenanigans that I think what made it fatiguing was that the flashbacks meant it wasn't linear and I needed it to be linear to keep track of 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 things were happening. And who was where. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it was fun, but it was exhausting. You think it would be funner as a movie? I think it would be funner as a movie and I think I would definitely give it a watch as a movie. I don't know if I'll reread it because... I feel like my dog after Christmas and I need to have a nap for three days. Yeah, fair enough. So you would say it's trash in that you wouldn't reread it. Correct. Would you recommend it to someone else? I th- Yes, I do. I would recommend it to someone else. I'd be really interested to hear what a really diverse selection of readers think because I think it's one of those books that if you come from a community where, like, if you've got Chinese or Indonesian heritage or if you're, like, second generation and yeah. you're, you've been in a situation like that, I can imagine that you'd be like, oh, my God, I've, it's I've experienced it. That's actually really hilarious. Yes. And I'd like to hear that and what other people think. What did you think? I hated it. <laughs> All right. Hit me. <laughs> I hated it, and I thought a lot about why I hated it. I think, you know what, in the end, I didn't like the family. What didn't you like about them? I didn't like them because I didn't feel like they saw Medi at all. Mm. I think she was invisible. I think that people are people and that she can't have a debt so deep that she's not allowed to have anything for herself, and I don't think her aunts would really want that for her either. So I think that I didn't like anybody in the family. That was my key problem with it. So it made no sense to me why Betty would agree to go on the date. I I stay I stuck with it. I was like, okay, mum might have made a huge mistake and actually set her up with someone from the resort so you don't want to ruin the whole family business because you mm. have principles. And that element of like it's one night, it's one date, it'll be fine. It can't be that bad. I'm gonna suck it up and not be a drama about it, blah blah blah. But But then she goes on the date and he dies. I do not understand why they did not just go to the police. It was clearly an accident. There was no other way that could have gone down. She didn't know him beforehand. There was nothing else. Like, it made no sense. They, like, put him in a freezer. It could be that maybe it's different in America. You definitely would not go to jail for that. Like, there's no way. Like, that's clearly self-defense. That would be fine. Or maybe you would. We don't know. We don't know. We I haven't had never, these brushes with I've the never, law. It's so true. But so maybe that's my naivety as mm. well. But I had so much trouble with it. I was like, surely, <laughs> surely that would be okay. Anyway, fine. They don't. It's fine. So then it, then we go to our first Nathan flashback, right? And he's, like, perfect for her, perfect for her. She doesn't tell his, her family about him, keeps him a secret, doesn't make sense. They're together way too long while she doesn't tell anyone about him. Like, just, like, to the point where it's weird, to the point where I'm like, you are dealing with this really badly. You're not a great person. Like, the way you're treating him now is not okay. Then... He, like a complete adult, tells her that he has a job in New York for after uni and maybe she should come with him. And instead of explaining how important her family is to her, not important enough for him to have met them in the five years they've been together, but apparently so important that she can't possibly go to New York York with him, instead of repaying his adult communication with more adult communication, she's like, oh, I'm so glad you brought this up because I've been thinking we should break up anyway. Like, not even a, 
I think you should pursue your dreams, but uh, I need to destroy him and make him like really hate me so he can go to New York and do what's best for him. It's this, I'm going to give myself up. I'm going to, I'm going to make all the sacrifices and aren't I an amazing person? You're not, you're selfish. (laughs) You're actually, when you make decisions for other people on their behalf without giving them all of the information because you are what? So arrogant, you know how everyone's going to think and feel and act. Wow, you really did not like this. I hated that. I was like, I am, I'm out on her. I'm like, you're not a good person. You're, you're making, you're being packaged in a way where we're supposed to think she's awesome. But I was like, if we actually get down to the decisions you're making, you aren't standing up for yourself. You just go well, with so that. That was yeah, my like, which is obedient. annoying. Yep. But then when she does stand up for herself, all she does is control other people and not treat them like adults. <laughs> I just, and look, maybe there was a ton of growth. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't get all the way to the end. That's how much it annoyed me. And once I didn't like her and the book was work because it was dense mm, noisy. and noisy, because I didn't like her, I was like, I do not have the effort to spend the time working out, like following all of these continual bad decisions. Because you know when someone you really love and care about makes some bad choices, we say it all the time, oh, that's just Amy logic. Or I know that seems insane, but I know from Amy's perspective that would have made sense because weird things happen inside your brain. So the number is how Kim does things. And people will sometimes be like, does she she do things? Yeah, it's just how she is. Leave her alone. She doesn't hurt anyone. It's just like Kim speak. She's harmless. And we do that for people we care about. I think because I didn't like her, then all of the foibles and things, all of those shenanigans that were happening, I was like, this is just bad mismanagement. This is just more mismanagement on your part. I just had no benefit (laughs) of the doubt. You weren't willing to suspend your disbelief at that point for the shenanigans that ensued. I was critical (laughs) and I was like a peanut gallery of like, well, you brought this on yourself, didn't you, you idiot? Like it was... (laughs) I was like, this isn't even bringing out the best side of me, so I abandoned ship. And that's where I'm at. So I could not, in all conscience, recommend it because I can't recommend a book I didn't finish. And uh, this makes me more keen to recommend it because I want more people involved in this conversation. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. please. And obviously it would be but trash for me because I would never reread. It's interesting but I would watch the movie. Yes, that would be interesting. So, because and it has I, been optioned yes. by Netflix. Oh, there so you go. So we could sit down and watch it together. So and do I a would. I would prefer a movie to a mini series because I don't want to watch. Like I don't want to watch six hours of it. But I would certainly watch. You know, a film length of it. I think. I think a screwball comedy would work quite well. Yeah, and then maybe I wouldn't be so annoyed by her. I think if I didn't spend so much time in her head, I wouldn't think she was such an idiot. Because it's first person. It is first, first person, person narrative. And that really irritated me. I had a look on Goodreads, and it's one of those books that I. That has it has a lot of like five stars and one star fives and ones yeah. and a couple threes and I was like that's really interesting and it's one of those books that seems to be either you well, for me you it was and I, her. you and I yeah for me it was her I just did not like her at all and as a result I was so critical of all the stupid decisions she was making that were causing all of these problems that yes I she couldn't... gets swept along yeah. Isn't that a great excuse? Wow. I think, I think we should wrap this up. I was before. so critical of her. That was my problem. It was my <laughs> that was my barrier to this book. <laughs> but yes, I will watch the film. I okay. would like to do that and see if it's better in that context. That's it. Are we done? We're done. Excellent. We're done. Yeah. <laughs>
Am I done? I am are you done? done? It's more my pause. Are you done? I am done. done. Okay, ready to wrap up? I am. Great. Woo. Thank you so much for spending some of your time with us once again. Join us again next week. We will bring you more spoiler-free recaps, reviews, or recommendations for whatever we read that week. And it might be something someone recommended us, which I may or may not like. And you're always going to hear exactly what I thought, even if I didn't like it. I'm more likely to like things. Yeah, Amy's a softer landing pad, that's for sure. I just have a generous heart. I do not. I do not. It's black and withered, and I acknowledge that. And on that note, (laughs) happy reading! And just a quick reminder here at the end of the podcast that we would love to hear from you. We want your recommendations. The good, the bad, the interesting, doesn't matter. Please reach out. Send us an email at trashortreasurepodcast at outlook.com. Or we are also available at the world's most awkward Twitter handle, which Amy has to tell you about. Listen to our Twitter handle. It's the greatest. It's at or underscore treasure. Doesn't that just roll off the tongue? (laughs) And with those encouraging words, tweet or email us. We love to hear from you. Happy reading. Cheers.